0: Unique, yet common-sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen's Sports Talk. And we thank you
1: for pressing the play button to listen to another edition of the podcast. Thanks for doing so. Coming up, we will talk about the Final Four. Mike Gillian of collegeinsider.com will be here. He's standing by in the virtual green room, and he will break it all down for us in just a little bit. But first... The Alliance of American Football, we hardly knew ye. The league folding eight games into a 10-game regular season. Not officially folded, but operation suspended. Well, you know, (laughs) it all means the same thing at the end. And uh, what what a mess. What a complete mess. So, first of all, the league did not start with enough funding. We got $100 million. We're ready to go. $100 million in the sports landscape is nothing. It's it's couch change. So, they didn't really have what they needed coming out of the gate. So, two weeks in and payroll problems are already abundant and bills piling up. They seek help. Tom Dundon, the owner of the Carolina Hurricane, steps in, pledging to be a $250 million man to save the league and Keep things going. But he wanted to press for the NFL to provide players for the developmental league, practice squad, whatnot. And he wanted it to happen like that. Well, you know, these things don't happen that quickly. Ever. You know, you got the Players Association that has to agree to this, and you've got a lot of contracts and legalese to work out. That's just not going to... That's just not going to fly. So, first of all, you know, shame on Dundon for expecting a quick fix to what is an original three-year plan. You know, let's get this thing up and running and build it. And, and, and you know, startups are a slow build. You know, you get the occasional one that rockets out of the chute, but these things take time. And lots of rumors going on that Dundon was... Strictly getting this hands on the league because he liked their technology, their 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 app that was, you know, so interactive and he wanted he wanted to to get that. And so far. He hasn't done anything to debunk that theory because the man's been silent. You know, you would think if you're going to shut down the league, you'd have the cojones to say something. You know, Charlie Eversoll, Bill Polian, the co-founders of the league, Polian has spoken out. And again, you know, they're not blameless in this situation, as I mentioned, because they just did not have the proper capital to kick this thing off. And they probably came in trying to beat the XFL to the market, and it was a, it was a, it was a costly point to them. And here you go. You know, not only do I feel bad for the players because this was going to be an opportunity for guys to be to be noticed and get another opportunity at the at the at the professional level, but think about all these teams that have hired uh, office personnel, uh, you know, game day operations, marketing, all this stuff, and these folks are just boom, you're out of here. So. Dundon is com- a complete douche in this whole situation, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, again, it's just just really, really sad. You know, the Orlando Apollos were looking to be championship bound, had the best record of the league, and they don't even get to finish. You know, at least finish the first season. You know, you 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 you're you're really ripping these guys off. <laughs> and the poor guys. Some of these guys are having to pay their own way to get back to where wherever they reside you know the the rest of the year you know the Apollos well documented because of an insurance problems had to move to Jacksonville practice in Georgia and come down to Orlando for their games probably helped galvanize the team they were always together, but uh oh, just just a just a shame and because I think the league in its at its heart is a good concept and, you know it's 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 you know, football year-round is tough, but there's enough interest. It's It it holds enough audience to where CBS wanted to add some more games to their lineup. You know, programming is, uh, is, is... It's a nice bit of sports programming to put in. And I think the league brought some interesting things to the table. We now know what the game looks like without kickoffs and uh, kicked extra points. And I believe... Uh, I put I put the question out on Twitter to find out if anybody had tried the fourth and twelve play that was to be implemented instead of doing an onside kick, and did get one response that I think that that it, the Atlanta team had done it. So, uh, you know, the app as we mentioned was a, was was considered to be a very revolutionary product, and you know the fewer commercial breaks, not bad. You know, I know these things pay the bills, but. You know, they they tested some things out, and I think that's good for the NFL to have an area where those things can be tinkered with. The AAF, eight games and done. By the way, uh, 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 best-selling writer Jeff Perlman, who uh, uh, wrote the book the, uh, the Crazy Rise and Even Crazier Demise of the USFL, had him on my podcast earl- earlier this year. And he had some thoughts that I thought were pretty interesting that he put out on Twitter uh, regarding kind of the comparison between uh, the, the AAF and the USFL. And he had his thoughts on the demise of the league. So I thought I would share that listen with you.
0: And I was asked earlier first, was I surprised? And the answer is I was surprised because I thought they did some smart things. First of all, the centralized ownership. Uh, second of all, spring football third of all playing in markets that weren't as obvious as you know some and uh orlando just as an example san diego a vacant market i thought some of the markets were really smart um obviously i wrote a book about the usfl so i uh, i do understand sort of the deaths of leagues uh i think a few things happened or seem to have happened or do happen when football leagues die uh the first one is is especially nowadays like we tend to overvalue the interest in a sport based on the success of an established league. So the NFL does great. People look at the NFL, they say, oh, people love football. USFL did the same thing. People love football. In fact, the founder of the USFL, this guy named David Dixon, uh, he sort of presented poll findings, poll results to potential owners. And he was talking about how much people love football. And look, this is going to be great because people are passionate. But um, just because you're passionate about football... Doesn't mean you're going to be passionate about a new league. And that's a huge issue. And the difference actually between the Alliance that I didn't think of at the time and the NFL, as far as when it came along, uh, excuse me, the Alliance and the USFL, when the USFL came along in the early eighties, um, the, the NFL was not a year round endeavor, right? You had the draft. That was kind of a big deal, but that was it. And the NFL was thought of as very seasonal, specifically seasonal. Baseball was here. The NFL was was here. The NBA was here. Hockey was here. And that's it. Nowadays, the NFL is a year-round endeavor. And I actually think, and I, a lot of people, I think, think that the offseason is more interesting than the actual season now that you have uh, unrestricted free agency. I mean, Antonio Brown's whereabouts, uh, Odell Beckham's whereabouts, I would argue are far more interesting than watching Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham play, and they're great players. But the mystery of it all, the draft, reading a, uh, reading a potential draft and wondering um, – and wondering where players are going to go is really fascinating. So I just think the, uh, the idea that, like, well, it's the offseason of the NFL, so we can, we can play now. Well, there is no offseason anymore for the NFL. It just doesn't exist. Number two is it's just a hard sell that you're going to come watch players who aren't as good as the NFL players. Like, you're just done with the Super Bowl, right? You saw this game, and it was the pinnacle of the NFL season. And now you're going to watch uh, Trent Richardson and Johnny Manziel. Like, it's not a realistic market uh, idea. Sell. That they're not as good. Players aren't as good. They're in markets that you don't really care about. But here's this league. Uh, and the third thing, obviously, is this isn't have the money. I don't know how you start a league with so little money and so low. I mean, the USFL, say what you want. Their investors were very wealthy men who committed to X amount of time. I mean, this was preposterous. Uh, they just didn't have enough time. They didn't have a commitment from the NFL. This is a joke. Whoever... I'm shocked, actually, how bad the business model was. And I've been saying all along, because I've been asked during promotion, USFL promotion, what's going to do better, the Alliance or the XFL? I always thought the Alliance, because I think the XFL comes with real baggage. But nowadays, I mean, maybe the XFL survived. This doesn't bode well for it. But the Alliance, it just didn't work out. The good news is, as I said to my son, in a couple of days, you're going to see jerseys and hats on sale for 80% off. And that's your time to get your own San Diego Fleet hat. Anyway. I'm disappointed. I like startup leagues. I think they're fun. But um, this, was just, this was just a mess from the beginning. And uh, the one thing I will say, and this is important, I feel bad for the players. Like, I feel really bad for the players. These are guys who are getting to live their dream. They are excited. Uh, one more shot at the NFL. If you're Trent Richardson, like, this is great for you, right? Uh, Kristen Hackenberg, I mean, play well, but it's great for you. This idea that you can have another shot and um, that NFL teams would be watching. And now it's so short. It's so quick. I don't know if anyone really got a bump out of this. So it's really a bummer. Uh, I'm not writing a book about the Alliance. I only do one startup league ever. Anyway, just my thoughts. Hope everyone's well. Have a
1: good week. Again, that was uh, Jeff Perlman, the uh, best-selling author. Uh, Some good, interesting comparisons there between the USFL, which has been the most successful spring league that has, uh, uh, well, I, I take that back. It, Outside of the NFL, the most successful spring league, the NFL Europe, which was originally the World League of American Football, uh, had a longer run uh, as the NFL's developmental league. But uh, the USFL, aside outside of the NFL, has been had the longest run. So, you know, I, I kind of disagree. I think there is a, you know, it's not, no, it's not going to be a massive market, but there is a good market out there for the product. And... Again, it's it, it, you know it's between the college and the pro level. You're going to see some decent, you know, and you get a guy and you get the right guys in there. You get the you know you get the Steve Sprayers, the Rick Neuheisels, uh, uh, guys that uh, that uh, have good offensive minds and 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 bring a little bit of excitement to the game. Uh, there's definitely a market there. Now, I will also say, from the other standpoint, you know, I looked at Apollo's ticket prices. I thought they were a little high for the product. Um, I think you. Uh, should have sold low and and tried to build an audience, even paper the house a few times, to uh, to get people out there, get them excited about it. And there's another uh, a case of lost money: people who bought the uh, season tickets. In some cases, are going to not get the the money refunded for up to two games. So, the fans get. <laughs> get chipped in that in that little financial tilt as well so again it's a it's it really is it really is sad because i really uh, thought this league again had a had a good operation model as jeff perlman said the business model they had a lot of work that still needed to be done xfl you're next Turning to baseball, Bryce Harper is having a good start with the Philadelphia Phillies, and his return to Washington, he got met with lots of booze as they should have, uh, since he's now on a on a on a hated rival team, and uh, he did get uh, his uh, he did get his bat flip home run in uh, to uh, to rub it in a little bit, and uh, you know he's having a great start, but you know. The weekend series, and I will admit a little tinge because I'm a Brace fan, you know, game two, he hits the big home run and he's peacocking around and he's like just blasting himself like they just won the World Series. It's game two. And the fans chanting MVP. No. Talk to me in July. Let me see where you're at in July. And we'll get a better indication of that story. Ronald Acuna Jr. extended his contract eight years, $100 million, the rookie of the year from the Atlanta Braves last season. And I heard some interesting uh, uh, comment in, first of all, smart by the Braves to lock him up uh, long term, because he's going to be the guy they're building around. But then I heard saying, you know, it's like, well, you know, the Players Association needs to arbitrate better for the next time around, so, you know, because this contract won't hold value and he's getting he's getting gypped on the back end of the contract. Well, he didn't have to sign it. <laughs> he's made the decision he wants his money now. That's okay. The kind of ridiculous money we talk about these guys making. If he's going to make a little less on the back end, you know... Hourly wage sports fans do not want to hear about this kind of stuff. So, knock it off. Turning to the NBA, Russell Westbrook last night had uh, the, what is it they call it? A uh, double-triple-double. Only the second NBA player to get a triple-double that consisted of 20 points, 20 rebounds, and 20 assists at least. He had 20-20 and 21 assists. Only other play to do it, of course, was the great Will Chamberlain. And of that stat line, the assist, getting 21 assists, is the hard part. That means your guys have to be shooting a high percentage when you're getting them the ball. So, an amazing performance in that uh, in Oklahoma City Thunder victory over the Los Angeles Lakers. It's time to talk the Final Four, and here to help us preview that is the former assistant Jim Laranega at Bowling Green and George Mason. Ten years as the head coach at Longwood University, he moved them to the Division I level and eventually to the Big South, most recently an assistant at FIU from collegeinsider.com, and also he does work for ESPN+. It's my pleasure to welcome Mike Gillian to the program. Mike, how are you doing this evening?
2: Doing great, Jeff. Thank you very much for having me on. Once again, I'm in beautiful Huntington, West Virginia. We're getting ready for the, the CIT, the CollegeInsider.com championship game tomorrow night. Myself and Dave Popkin will be calling that here. Marshall and Green Bay, excited about that.
1: That's awesome. It's not the
2: only Final Four going on in Minneapolis. got to give it a quick plug to get
1: started. <laughs> Absolutely. Shameless plugs are always allowed, for sure. Uh, so, let's talk uh, the NCAA Final Four. And uh, let's start uh, with uh, Virginia and boy lo- just looking at this story a year ago they're they're the first team to lose to a 16 seed they're staring a double digit def- deficit to another 16 seed starting out this tournament so the the wheels look like they're coming off but now here they are in the final four uh, how is how has tony bennett gotten that together
2: <clears throat> well tony bennett's a great coach last year's result notwithstanding been a uh, go back into the shameless plug category for just a second. One of the things that occurred, UNBC uh, in 2017 made the CIT semifinals. Ryan Odom has publicly stated many times that was a springboard to, toward their success, beating Vermont in their conference tournament championship game. And then going on to win that first round game, the only 16th seed ever to be the number one in the NCAA tournament, Mike DeCorsi yesterday ranked his top 80 upsets in NCAA tournament history, had that as number one. But in in a weird way and there's always irony that probably helped a great deal for uva preparing from the minute that happened to the position they find themselves in now for what it's worth everybody has their picks when you when you get started in the tournament i picked virginia win the national championship i picked them to go to the final four last year and they lost in the first round but i think that something when that type of thing occurs one of two things can happen. It's either a galvanizing force that draws everyone together towards a common purpose, a common goal, or can fracture everybody apart. So that point of reckoning for UVA, Tony Bennett and his, his group, his coaching staff, able to pull everybody back together to galvanize them and not dwell on the fact they lost to UMBC, but use that, own it, recognize it, and use it as a constant reminder and motivation as to what can happen Have it in the back of your mind, drive you forward. Now they find themselves in a position to play for a national championship.
1: And what a thrilling game it was against the Purdue Boilermakers! And the exciting play at the end, where they were at the end of regulation, where they were able to come up with that tie uh, with the the, the long pass from Clark to uh, uh, Diakite. Uh, What amazing poise under pressure on that tap out!
2: It's amazing. When that does happen, all of the things that have to go right, and I don't know, Jeff, how many, if you isolated them, are there 10, 12, 14, 16? How many things actually in that circumstance have to go 100% correct in order for you to be in position to even get the shot off to make the basket, to tie the game, to send it into overtime? And basketball gods are on their side, perhaps. I mean, it's a great play. It's very exciting. Carson Edwards was... Unconscious, He was in the zone. Purdue put themselves in position to win. They didn't get one rebound at the end of the game by chance. The ball bounces Virginia's way. Next thing you know, UVA's in the Final Four and Purdue is not. It doesn't take away from any of the seasons that teams have when they lose in the Elite Eight or the Sweet 16, even in the first round of the NCAA tournament like UVA did a year ago. What it just means is you're the benefit of some breaks, some good luck, some good play, and then you've got a chance to win it all when the Final Four comes around.
1: Yeah, and so they will face the Auburn Tigers, who have made their first Final Four in 30, 34 years. And, you know, they go in without their star, Chuma Kiki. And they were able to kind of rally around themselves to beat Kentucky in a, in a hotly contested game. And uh, another testimony to uh, what Bruce Pearl can do as a head coach.
2: It's really amazing, and people, it's easy to make predictions and then say after the fact when it goes right that, like for me, let's just say UVA wins a national championship. I'll be saying, yeah, I picked them to win, but will you say that last year you picked them to get to the final four when they lost in the first round? I didn't think that with the loss of Okiki going into that Kentucky game that Auburn really had a chance to come out on top. They've had a great stretch, obviously, uh, 113 out of 14 now, 11 in a row, but overcoming that? Just was I thought was going to be a little too much. But all of a sudden, Harper and Brown are taking over. They're playing small. They end the game with more offensive rebounds than Kentucky. They're getting second-chance points. They block more shots in that game. It defies all the odds. But remember, at the beginning of the year, Bruce Pearl and Auburn ranked 11th, I think, in the preseason polls, a little up and down. They rode the, the poll wave all year long. Had a great run in the SEC tournament. Now they find their, themselves in the Final Four. Different way, totally different than what a team like UVA does. 50% of Auburn shots come from three-point land. Harper and Brown, excellent scorers. But after now a week, not, not a day, but a week to reflect on the fact that you don't have one of your top guns in Chuma Okiki, can you still keep it at that level when you, when you get to the next game? If I had to pick, I would take UVA because I picked them at the beginning. I think a little too much to overcome. But what a fantastic performance by Auburn. Great job by Bruce Pearl. Keep everybody together. Even though you have some new coaches in the Final Four, it doesn't mean they're not great coaches. These guys are in the position they're in for a number of reasons. They understand the task at hand. They know how to motivate their own teams. They have great relationships with their players. This is why they're in the position they're in.
1: Yes, and I mistakenly said first time in thirty four years. It's actually their first time. It's Virginia's first time in thirty four years. So uh, a lot of a lot of uh, demons to be exercised for both teams, I guess, in this particular ball game. How do you? you I know you're picking Virginia. How do you see this uh, playing out? Will it be one of those uh, grinded out games?
2: Well, let's back up for just a second because you mentioned the free throw and the tap out that put you in the Final Four. Auburn, awesome, right? But remember, in the first round, New Mexico State's on the foul line shooting three free throws. If that guy makes all three free throws, Auburn might be out in round one. So something has to break your way also. Here's what I think. Virginia doesn't let the game get to the pace that Auburn wants to play at. However, with the loss of Okiki, Auburn was comfortable slowing the pace down in the Kentucky game and then still letting their guards, Harper and Brown, take over at the end of the shot clock, end-of-clock possessions, So they were successful in a low-scoring game. So this game will be controlled in pace by, by, by Virginia. I think Auburn will be comfortable allowing that pace. It's easy, not easy, but it's not difficult for these teams at a high level to be in the game with UVA, but it is difficult to beat them. So I think when all is said and done, UVA will advance to the championship Monday night.
1: So on the other side, it's Texas Tech and Michigan State, and Texas Tech their first trip ever to the Final Four. What an amazing job uh, Chris Beard has done with, with that team. Um, they are they were very impressive in, in in shutting down a Gonzaga team, holding them almost 20 points normally below what they score. Uh, what makes them so good defensively?
2: It's really strange as to whether it's Texas Tech so good defensively or the hiccups. We saw this in Gonzaga. Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference Championship against St. Mary's. I think they scored 47 or 49 points. And it was an an exception, an aberration. Not what normally happens because they're a potent offensive team. And then the the Texas Tech game kind of saw not a mirror image, but a little bit of a repeat of that Texas Tech. One of the things that's interesting when you read the stories about them getting ready for the Final Four, you read about Chris Beard. You don't read about Jarrett Culver, who people know he's a potential lottery pick. You don't read about Matt Mooney, Francis, David Moretti, who was awesome at the end of that game in the Elite Eight, Tariq Owens, Odiasi, all these good players. You read about Chris Beard, and what I think, Jeff, in this case is he's very effectively, as a coach, allowed, not not in an egotistical way, but allowed a lot of the attention to stay on him and his ability to manage media, have interesting interviews, interesting social media content which takes the attention off of the players and allows them just to play. Not that they're not getting attention, not that they're not uh, having demands made of them, but he's absorbing a lot of this external stuff, the distractions that might affect the team, which allows the team to bond together and play well. Common thread, UVA, galvanizing force, good coaching, play well. Auburn, galvanizing by Coach Pearl, an injury, play well. Texas Tech, a coach who has a team playing well. You don't get to the Final Four unless you're firing on all cylinders. So Texas Tech has good players, good coaching, good leadership, and ready to go. And I know we're going to get to Michigan State, but I really like, I got to see Texas Tech early this year at the American Airlines Arena in person against Memphis where they had a comeback win. They have all the pieces. They seem to be firing on all cylinders. And I think they're going to play in the championship game against UVA Monday night.
1: Well, that is, uh, you know, I, I think they're the team that nobody wants to face because they are, even though they're a three seed, they, they are flying a little bit under the radar. And, uh, and as you said, they are stacked with talent all up and down that lineup.
2: And look for the, um, maybe the underrated guy to come out of the shadows, even though people know who he is. Tariq Owens is a spectacular shot blocker, rebounder, can make fifteen footers and is an excellent, excellent free throw shooter. So when Moretti and Mooney and Culver and all these guys are doing well, you got a guy like Tariq Owens and then a big body like Odiasi, they have all of the pieces to be successful. So don't nobody should be sleeping. they're not doing it, but don't sleep on Texas Tech.
1: Well Michigan State, of course, Tom Izzo does what Tom Izzo does, and I know he has even said this is not his probably is not his most Talented team, but it's definitely one of the one of the toughest teams he's ever had. And uh, he found a way to grind past Duke. Finally, a break didn't go Duke's way towards the end of the game, and uh, and Tom Izzo's got uh, got his guys in there, and 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 Cassius Winston was awesome.
2: Listen, don't be fooled by Tom Izzo, master of manipulating the media and the message. He's got talent. He's got good players. Those players are tough. It's what he's done. Hall of Fame coach Ashes Winston two and a half to one assist to turnover ratio 19 points a game seven and a half assists first in the Big Ten leadership scoring teamwork extension of the head coach these these guys are really really good really tough and their method is a little different than maybe the Chris Beard the distraction Tom Izzo's like ah you know we're not all that good we're or maybe not as talented as everybody else. <laughs> nah, that that's just the coaching. That's the method. These guys can play. They're good. They're gonna. They've been there before. He's been there before. Well deserved. Going to be a great Final Four.
1: And I also found it interesting in that game. You know, Goins had struggled shooting, but yet he hits a, a just a just a uh, as Bill Raftery would say, a, an onions three pointer <laughs> to help lift his team.
2: There's always irony, Jeff. Look at that last scenario where it's a screen down. And Trey Jones, really, should he go with the screener? Should he switch and go out on going, popping out there? Both guys go with the screener. You leave a guy wide open, and then what happens as a result of him making that three? Pretty much winning the game for Michigan State. The incredible story of the hard worker, the former walk-on. The parents are paying off his loans from when he first went to Michigan State. This is the message. It's controlled by the master, Tom Izzo, about the feel-good story. Everybody root for us. Because we're the underdog. Listen, there are no underdogs, but it just goes to show you great coaching, great programs, all well deserving. Is it awesome when the George Mason and BCUs and Butlers get to the Final Four? Yes, but it's also awesome when the Michigan States get there. Texas Tech is the new guy, power conference team. Bruce Pearl, first time. UVA, Tony Bennett with his dad. I mean, they're always going to be great stories. It's what makes college hoops awesome. It trickles down into the other stuff. Lipscomb in the NIT championship game, out of the Atlantic Sun, incredible. The CIT championship here, Horizon against Conference USA. This is what April college basketball is all about, and just to get a chance. It's going to be sad next week when it all comes to an end.
1: <laughs> that it's that
2: is talking about it, thinking about it, and um, you now let's see what
1: happens. Yeah, so you you you're picking Virginia to play Texas Tech then in the final game, and. Virginia still your pick for for winning it all?
2: I had Virginia against Gonzaga originally. Texas Tech uh, took care of that. So I think Texas Tech has got all the pieces. They're going to get there, and I'm going to stick with my original pick, UVA, all the way to the national championship, and then let the discussions begin about whether uh, Tony Bennett's achieved what he wants interested in making that next step to the
1: NBA. Oh, boy. A whole, uh, different,
2: whole different topic. NBA playoffs. Maybe we'll visit again about that in a month or so.
1: Yeah, and in and, and the national championship game, would that be like first team to 40 wins that game?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never know, but it's going to be fun. And the thing is, when you have low-scoring games like that, they're going to be close. So you know, it'll be exciting in the last couple minutes.
1: All right, well, Mike Gillan, who's, of course, going to be uh, calling the uh, the CIT final, Marshall and Green Bay. Uh, where can folks watch that game?
2: WatchCIT.com. Go to CollegeInsider.com if you have to. The tournament tab, watch. It's live there. Myself and Dave Popkin, Kyle Macy will be here. We're going to have a great time. We'll visit with Coach Dan D'Antoni today. Green Bay is coming to town. Both high-powered offenses, a lot of scoring. Not your Texas Tech-Virginia matchup. This game's going to be in the 80s or 90s. John Elmore was incredible last night here in Huntington. 23 first-half points as Marshall beat Hampton in one semifinal. Green Bay beat Texas Southern in another semifinal. A lot of good storylines. Exciting basketball and really looking forward to see who comes away with the title tomorrow night.
1: All right, well, Mike, while well, you have a good call on the game uh, tomorrow night, and again, we thank you for doing our Final Four preview here. Have a great evening. All
2: right. All right,
1: thank you, Jeff. And I thought, very interesting, you know, as we were discussing all the coaches, and that's what I like about college basketball, too. I think much more so than the NBA, the coaches make so much of the difference. You know, the players play, obviously, but the, the coaching you know, has so just far more significance than the professional game does. And speaking of college uh, coaching, Buzz Williams, he's going to leave Virginia Tech after a Sweet 16 run, and they, like UCF, had Duke on the ropes. He is going to Texas A&M, back home to Texas for Buzz. And we'll see uh, where the uh, what comes of the VT vacancy, but uh, interestingly enough, um, you know, Johnny Dawkins, we, you know, week and a half ago was, you know, rumored to be, you know, fresh off the, uh, the Duke game was, uh, oh, v- Vanderbilt's got him on the radar and that, that, trail went cold and thankfully so for UCF Knights and, uh, and haven't heard much, but evidently they ever decided they're going to target Jerry Stackhouse, who's, uh, coaching with the Grizzlies, but, uh, as an assistant, um, So we'll see uh, what what happens with that. We'll see if uh, Johnny Dawkins has a raise coming his way. We'll see if his son, Aubrey, is playing on sticking in school or going pro. Another thing to keep an eye out on there. As you know, I'm now doing a new show on the Nightline Sports Network at nightlinesports.com, the AAC reports. And I also want to give a shout-out to to my buddies, uh, Adam and Mike, on the Sons of UCF podcast, they have a uh, had a terrific uh, episode uh, just drop with a lengthy interview with former UCF coach George O'Leary. So uh, get over to nightlinesports.com and check that out. Uh, definitely some good nuggets in that conversation. As always, we thank you for listening. And if you haven't subscribed yet, what are you waiting for? Jump on board. Jeff JeffAllenSportsTalk.com is the, uh, is the address to uh, my website. You can go on the subscribe tab and find the podcast venue of your pleasure. And you can subscribe right then and there. So uh, we invite you to do so. That's going to do it for now. With that, we are done here. L-V-E